Okay, so let's turn to the word of the Lord. And so I'm not going to ignore the structure of Isaiah, but but I'm going to go into more detail in in this t- I went into detail last time, but this time it's going to be a little bit different. I want to touch on the things that I was unable to touch on, especially from the perspective of God's love. Though judgment is being proclaimed, it's God's love. As we saw in Hosea, that even though judgment is being proclaimed, we can feel the love of God. And so uh, it's going to be weighted towards the New Testament. But we will not lose sight of the prof- prophecy, but, but based on necessity, I will move here and there. And especially since this is the New Year's conference, this is the blessing that will start the new year. And so, truly, let our worship grow in holiness and in that holy worship be blessed. Each and every single one of us receive through the Sunday worship our daily bread for that week. As it says in Romans 12, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices for as, as spiritual worship. And so each and every single one of us, when we are fully holy, that is the kind of great worship that we will we can expect. And we have experienced it before. We have tasted it before. And even now, we can say our worship is very good. But compared to the revival back in the day, it's nothing. It's being restored right now. And not only restored, but going beyond that to glory. Amen. And so worship of the remnant. And so, Lord, may we add to the holiness when we gather here. As it says in 1 Corinthians 13, that uh, those who are gathered to worship in spirit and in truth, who are used as vessels of the Holy Spirit, amen? And so all the prayers that you pour out, all of those things in the church, that anointing flows and overflows. That anointing and that holiness overflows. Amen? So let's yearn for that. So that we, because now is time to lift up that kind of worship for the God wills it. And so the blessing of the worship, let us, that's what we saw in chapter one. And so there are a couple of things that we need to go through. And so let's look at chapter three. And in chapter two, right, we talk about that how the official restoration begins in the apocalypse. That, that everything of our Christianity, our goals are all directed towards the apocalypse. So we must not ignore or compromise with the apocalypse or the end times, right? That my life is all my, all my motivations, all my uh, motivations are moving towards that, that goal. Uh, Pastor Fong uh, arrived safely with Pastor Samuel in Honduras. Uh, 
And so uh, Pastor Fong was able to meet with Pastor Samuel in, in Honduras. And uh, he was at peace. He was at peace. Uh, and so now they're going to cross Guatemala and go through Mexico. So please pray for their journey. I mean, well, how grateful are we that, that they are looking for religious freedom after listening to our sermons? And he's walking throughout Central America. And as he walks throughout Central America, he is spreading that anointing. Amen. And during the Chinese New Year conference, I think uh, there will still be many people coming from China. And please continue to pray for them that they would continue to be blessed. We're going to um, we're going to Nabidor Hotel for that conference for Chinese New Year. Okay, and so going moving beyond chapter two is continued judgment in chapter three. So time frame wise, we're moving from King Uzziah to the reign of King Hezekiah. And the characteristic of Isaiah's prophecy is that sometimes it moves back and forth between times. And so there are some prophecies that are specifically directed at a certain times, but other times they can be overlapped with many times. And so many of these kinds of characteristics are going to happen in the future. And so soon God has to reveal where what this warfare in Israel is about. Is it just another random conflict? Or is it the conflict that is prophesied in the prophecies? Because this will change the outlook. Up until now, I cannot conclude whether it's A or B. But I don't think, but my belief is that God doesn't want this war to um, expand into other areas. And so this warfare needs to come to a conclusion. And same thing with the Russia-Ukraine war. It'd be great if Trump became president, or by the time pre- uh, the next president, but this, this warfare needs to end soon. And already, all the circumstances are, ready, are prepared. And an- another dangerous element is what's going to happen in Taiwan. This, res- this election that's going on in Taiwan, how is China going to react? 
And so in 2024, we can see that the, the, that the, that the gauntlet is being thrown and there's a lot of um, powers being, being uh, transformed. And so, uh, for example, like, like let's say Nicaragua. Nicaragua is still standing against America. And so there is an embassy of North Korea in Nicaragua. And then also various other elements in the future. Because look, I'm not just speaking of the reality of these things, but when we live in the kingdom of heaven, the, when the remnant take the reins, it will change the outlook of that country. For example, all things that are anti-Christian. Uh, there, there are these changes that happen that, that are anti-Christian, anti-gospel, anti-faith. For example, Estonia in Eastern Europe for a long time has been anti-homosexuality uh, and all of a sudden they, uh, the, the script has been flipped and they, they legalized it. But Uganda is still standing strong, yes? And Nepal, Nepal, there's also great persecution. And so Pastor Ram has already went home to his hometown because of the persecution. And so if we cannot reign over the politics, then the only choice we have is martyrdom. And so, and so when I went to China, that's the same thing I said to the Chinese pastors. You know, uh, know exactly where God is leading you. Those who are to be martyred are to be martyred. Those who are to run away are to run away. Those who are to endure are to endure. And so living with the truth, ultimately, brothers, will not be comfortable to your flesh. For example, the same thing applies to Korea. As time goes on, let's say that the one world order takes control of Korea, then immediately we will have to subscribe to the one world religion. And if not, then we have to be martyred or maybe be hidden or and go underground. But but either way, we have to do, either way, uh, it's going to change the outlook, the, the scale. And thanks be to God that we have yet to given up worship. God has always provided the way for us to escape. There were many times during the coronavirus where people tried to, where people tried to catch us, where they sent the police, they would, they would knock on our doors and we would refuse to open. Or other times they sent spies to, to catch us worshipping, but we were worshipping in a different city. Oh, there was thrill during that time, right? We were kind of underground. 
Oh, all of a sudden I reminisce. Right, those who were not sick were uh, delivering medicine, medication. How great was that? What was amazing was, was that Dr. Yum was sick with the coronavirus and still opening his clinic. If I if I brought him to court, I could have made a lot of money off of him. So, anyways, chapter three, verses one to seven. See how God judges those who do not rely on God. We already talked about this briefly in chapter two. The word of God never says to make this of yourself. If you receive the word in legalism, there is great danger. And so you may say, why, why does God judge when we do not rely on God? So see, the thing is, is when you're not relying on God, you are relying on something else. And if you don't, if you rely on something else, automatically you're not relying on God. If you rely on God, you automatically not renew other things. It's always either ace in the hole or bust. And so this is what you must understand. It's black and white. There is no shades of gray. And so ultimately, it's about your relationship with God. If you are living with the Holy Spirit, then you will not be living for the self. But if you live for the self, immediately you are not relying on God. And so when you don't rely on God, it doesn't just end there, but you need to understand that you are relying on something else. Meaning that your life is not under God's dominion. And that means, in other words, you are under someone else's dominion. So if I give up on myself, God reigns over me. But if I choose to hold on to myself, the devil intervenes. There are only these two options in life. Many people think that there are many options. Many people think that there are many options for men. No, it's either is God reign or do you reign. It's one or the other. And so when you do not rely on God, it means you are relying on something else. And when you rely on something else, it means you are rejecting the reign of God. And you are rejecting the things of God and you are living a state where you do not love God. And as that measure builds up, as it stores up, God cannot help but release His wrath. Because it is a state where you are standing in rebellion, as it says in Romans 8, that when we live in the flesh, we are enemies to God. And so when you live for yourself, you are enemies with God. So of course, you deserve judgment then. So you may think, oh, I just like the world a little bit. No, that is a deception. You are standing against, opposed to God. And so, if it might be possible to love the world and love God in religion, but in God, it's not possible. It's impossible. And so, it's impossible to attend this church if you do not love God. 
And so for 25 years, I've proclaimed, right, all you are doing is polluting this church and living in misery. Why live in misery if, if, why stay in that misery if, if you'll be more happier leaving? This is what it means to live in the Bible. We have to call Jesus Lord. Curios. The world calls Caesar Curios. But no, we are denying that. And Jesus alone is Lord. Is Curios. He is my everything. And so only those who truly believe in that can stand in the kingdom of God. And so when you don't rely on God, you may think that, why? Why is he judging me when all I'm doing is not relying on him? But when you are not relying on him, you are not standing in his reign. When you are not standing in his reign, you are an enemy against him. And when you, and so, yes. And so as it says in chapter 1, verse 24, right, that, that I will get relief from my enemies and avenge myself on my foes. Is that the kind of relationship you want to have with God is to be opposed to him? And remember, when he uses these kinds of phrases, it's not pleasing to him. And yet, if he wants to protect the dignity of the identity of Israel, he cannot help but judge. You may think that a blessing is staying on this living as long as you possibly can. No, that isn't the blessing. The blessing, in some senses, is 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 quickly going to heaven. And so pray, brothers, pray. I pray in my life like that all the time. Okay, so let's continue in the sermon. So in other words, Israel was built to rely on God. And so failure to rely on God is basic. They're failing to do the basic. Israel cannot, Israel was built to live relying on God. Okay, so moving on. Israel was built to rely on God. And you know that all man was built this way. We were created in his image. He breathed his life into us. All of these things are proof that we need to rely on him. And so we cannot survive without relying on him. There is no life without him. And there is no there is no way to solve all the problems of life just through our strength. There are more diseases that hospitals cannot heal than there are diseases that hospitals can heal. So we must know that we have to rely on God, like King David, relying on God alone. And so to this kind of person, God will pay careful attention to their prayer. But if you do not rely on God, then God will not pay attention because you do on your own anyways, and you take care of yourself. So it's really important to rely on God. Amen? That is the way that God created you. And so he judges them for not relying on them, on God. And so the first thing that he targets is the city. First, breaking down the system of Babylon in Jerusalem. So as I said yesterday, when we live with God, 
We should not habitualize the desires of and the demands of Babylon in our lives. We should not just let them fester. For example, oh, I cannot live without a washing machine. No, we use washing machine, but we can survive without a washing machine. The things of Babylon cannot determine the prosperity of my life. That is not how you were designed. And so in Yerbang Church, the reason why we are good at fasting, of course, is the grace of God. But fundamentally, it's because we are a church that does not live by what Babylon gives. And so we have this spiritual state that relies on what God gives. And when we fail to do so, we cannot fast like this. And so, moving on. When you live in the Holy Spirit, it's not about me trying to live that way, but because the Holy Spirit reigns over me, if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, then all the demands of Babylon, the Holy Spirit's not going to leave you to flow in that way. And so that's why Africa really pleases me. Now, of course, there are discomforts in Africa, but, but I have this freedom to live in all of those things because of the Holy Spirit, not because I'm trying, I'm struggling. And so what was the highest image of Paul's spirituality is that all things he considers as refuse and receives Jesus' death as my death. And what does it say in Philippians 4.10? That whether in poverty or riches, I know, I know, I find contentment. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is the expression of the height of Paul's spirituality. That must be our confession as well. When we live with the Holy Spirit, all of our circumstances, my state, my 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 environment, are not things that 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 determine my life. For example, like oh, I cannot live without money, and so you turn your husband into a machine that makes money. That's terrifying, isn't it? You, your husband should be working for the glory of God, but if the wife is so is so scared, then all she does is demand money of of her husband. I'm so thankful that our sisters are not like this. So above all else, our sisters are worthy of this kind of praise. That to my knowledge, my all the sisters, none of you are demanding of money or luxury brands or diamond rings. Right, luxury brands are so expensive. One bag can cost ten thousand dollars. And so taking away from the city all the systems of Babylon being broken down. And so same thing applies. If the standard of money is more important than the things of God, God will break those things down. This is an ultimate reason why we are we we fall into bankruptcy. If if 
money is more important than God and God doesn't bring ruin to you, then you are illegitimate. If you are a child of God, God is not going to let anything stand above Him. God is not going to let that stand. If He does let it stand, then you are illegitimate, like it says in Hebrews 12. That cannot be. The Holy Spirit will not leave that greed to grow in you. And so if you cannot feel the Holy Spirit groaning, then that's dangerous. And so let's look at chapter 3, verse 1. Or chapter 3, verse 3. Wait, chapter 3, verse 1. For behold, the Lord of God of hosts is taking away from Jerusalem and Judah support and supply. And so all that support and the supply is being taken away. All support of bread and all support of water. And so if we rely on anything outside of God, God will not compromise, will not tolerate it. He will continually wait. God will break it down if you rely on something above Him. If it's money, money. If it's your children, your children. If it's a person, that person. It will all be taken away from you. And this is what I saw in, in my pastoral ministry. My wife, she really loves children. And she didn't like how we were raising our children at first. But I said that as a pastor, our, our job is to, is to be holy. We are not to waste our energy in raising children. God is the one who raises them. We do not have to struggle to give them their education. We do not have to struggle to, to prepare them for, to go, get into a good university. No, what I need to maintain is my holiness. God raises the children. And so without that attitude, you cannot be a servant of God. If you love something more than your master, how can you be a servant of that master? And this applies to all things. If there's anything you rely on outside of God, that will be taken away from you. And the act of it being taken away from you is a blessing. Because if it's not taken away from you, that means you are illegitimate. I remember a long time ago when we were in the Methodist church, we were in a revival. During the revival, the keynote speaker, the pastor, played tennis in the middle of that conference. And so he was so obsessed with tennis that, that his church members would not schedule a wedding on the days that he had tennis. And so uh, taking away from Jerusalem and Judah, support and supply, all support of bread and all support of water. What is bread and water? It symbolizes survival. And so even survival is something that we have to lay down before God. We should not worry about what we are eat and drink. We need to give up on our survival. If survival is the goal of the church, that church is nothing. Amen. Our church's goal is not survival. We would not be able to live this way if that was our ultimate goal. And this is the source of all the desires of Babylon, is it not? Is to survive and thrive. 
And there are many of many people who have who have been struggling with this with this desire for survival because and, and what we see is that when you are so focused on survival, you cannot grow because you are always only focused on that one thing. Think about it logically, my brothers. The creator of the universe, the master of universe is reigning over my life. Is it normal for you to worry about what you eat and what you drink, what you wear? Please. That means fundamentally you have no faith. And so if you are worried about food and drink, and so remember, during these times, bread and water means life. And they should not rely on even these things. And so you may say, then how are we to survive? And so if you know what it means to rely on God, you would understand how. You would understand what this is. is. We do not live by the Nile. We live by the early and latter rains. It's because you settle down by the banks of the Nile that you are so obsessed with survival. And so remember, I always say this all the time. If God cannot handle your survival, why believe in that God? If you cannot entrust Him in those kind, for those kinds of things, why believe in that God? Honestly, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear, it shouldn't even be a prayer topic. These things are not worthy of prayer. And I know it's kind of funny to talk about these kinds of things in our church, but because it's in Isaiah anyways. And so the mighty man and the soldier and the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder. And so now these are the leaders within the system of Babylon, right? And these leaders, do not even rely on them. Don't rely on your rulers. Don't rule, rely on, on them. And so whenever I went to Singapore in the conference, I would always say, you are more you have more faith in what the government says than what Jesus says you have there's more power and more efficacy in what the government says to Singaporeans you understand what I'm talking about right now I'm not saying to rebel against your government. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying you, you keep the things of the government because you keep the things of God. But many churches, they, they listen to the government before they listen to God. It's about we obey the government because we obey God, right? And so there is no reason to obey anything outside of God. Again, also the leaders in religion, you know, judges, prophets, diviners, and the elder. Right? Even when we go to Central America the pastors some of the pastors there right they they they, they pay witches to curse their church members so that their church members won't leave their church this is the kind of thing that this is talking about relying on diviners but anyways moving on verse 3 the captain of 50 and the man of rank the counselor and the skillful magician again relying on idols right relying on skillful men who can make 
who can craft those things. And so leaders, rulers, uh, social leaders, no matter what reason it is, if you rely on them, God will take it all away. We must rely on God alone. Amen. And so this is the right image of a Christianity is to love God alone and rely on Him. There is true freedom there. And so in our lives, in our Christian lives, many times we look outside without for the reasons why our spirituality is so difficult. No, no, that's not the case. Even if you were to become a beggar, it's not your circumstances that's making it difficult. What is making difficult is your relationship with God. Because you have this flesh that lives outside of God, that is what's making, causing this difficulty. Do not be deceived. It's not for lack of money. It's not for lack of education. As long as you are filled with the fullness of God, you will, you will be free from that anxiety. Like Peter, even though he was sentenced to die the next day, he sleeps like a baby that night. And so even though they have the same circumstances, if you are filled with God or not will change your outlook completely. And so do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Stop looking without for the reason, but look within. Even in the moment of death itself, that moment of death will not be a problem to a child of God. Because the world cannot take away your life. God has, God is, uh, uh, death and life is in God's hands. The world cannot decide by themselves to take away your life. Right? Even when Jesus died on the cross, what did it say? It says he gave himself up. Right? He gave himself up. This is the faith we must have, brothers, that life and death is not in their hands, but in God's hands. Babylon, the strength of Babylon is not overpowering us. God is opening it up. And so God will always take lay claim. How amazing is our God, amen? Whenever God desires, He can come calling. He can come calling. And so no matter the circumstances, it's not because Babylon that we cry. But we cry because we fail to enter into God's glory. We cry because of the filth that keeps me from receiving God fully. And so you need to change your paradigm. It's because you are living from a self-centered perspective that you constantly fall over these pits. Your circumstances, your conditions, your, your environment. If you continually blame these things that are without, then what, what sets you apart from the people of the world? Let us enter into a greater scale of faith. Amen? And so, verse 4, verse 4 to 7. God is breaking down the system of Babylon. Let's see how. And I will make boys their princes and infants shall rule over them. And so as the system of Babylon is being broken down, what does he do? He makes boys leaders. And really, at that time, right, Manasseh became king at age of 12. Josiah became king at 6. These young children, how, do they know how to reign over the country? No. 
Look at what's going on all over the world. Leaders are getting younger and younger. Like Jeroboam. Right after Solomon died, instead of Jeroboam listening to the elders who reigned with Solomon, they listened to the youth. This is a sign of the end times where authority is being broken down. That they are trusting in the folly of youth. As the elders wither away, all the elders, the kings are dying, and so only infants are left to rule. This happened during the Korean War. Because all the captains died, lieutenants had to take the place, or privates had to take the place. privates and corporals as all these captains and lieutenants died these corporals were immediately thrust into point to places of leadership and when privates are leading in the front and say march then what are they going to say they're going to say you go first because there's no authority Now, verse 4, 5. And the people will oppress one another, everyone his fellow and everyone his neighbor. And so because they lose all these survival necessities, they try to steal and take from their neighbor. The youth will be insolent to the elder and the despised to the honorable. And so all the authority of hierarchy is broken down. This is what's happening in the world. And as we enter into the tribulation, there will be a time of great famine. Right now, we, we are not at the peak of that famine. But as time goes on, when you look at Zechariah 8 and 9, during the time of, uh, of the Third World War, every country in the world will be in, in poverty. Look at, look at inflation going on. We see signs of that right now, right? Inflation in Argentina. Right, and that when they get paid on that payday, they immediately buy the food that they need because the next day they cannot buy that same bread. Even now, with inflation in Korea, it's difficult, right? It's very difficult to 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 make ends meet. With how expensive housing is these days, it's been difficult for a time, right? But anyways, and so all of these seasons, as we go through it, survival itself is going to get difficult. And because it gets difficult, everyone is so vicious, vicious with one another. And in that circumstances, how will we survive? Faith. Faith. Right? Are we going to save up money? Is that how we're going to survive? No, it's faith. Faith. God is going to open the way and prepare the way. Amen? And even now, our church is experiencing this. Right? Many impossible things happen. And so this faith doesn't just come out of nowhere. It's in this truth, in this spirituality. As this faith grows, this faith grows to the point where we do not worry about what we eat, what we drink, what we wear. Moving on. Verse 6. Or no, verse 5. No, verse 6. 
For a man will take hold of his brother in the house of his father, saying, You have a cloak, you shall be our leader, and this heap of ruins shall be under your rule. And so, as I said earlier, you know, like the, the state of a corporal becoming a captain. So many people died that even all they have to have is a cloak, then they will be king. Oh, you who have a cloak, you be the king. It's a corporal or a private becoming a general. This is because of the breakdown of the system of Babylon. Verse 7. In that day, he will speak out saying, I will not be a healer. In my house, there is neither bread nor cloak. You shall not make me leader of the people. And so, look, they, they say, be king. And, he, and yet, no, he has no confidence. Because if he becomes king, they will kill him. They'll come after him. That is how much the system of Babylon will be completely ruined. That no one dares to stand as a leader. And this state is what's going to happen in the future. So even now, look at the leaders in every circumstances. Because it's so uncertain, a country cannot make a decision in confidence. Right, the, the president has to say, we're going to grow 3% this year. And, 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 and when he makes that happen, the people will follow, right? But because it's so uncertain, it's so difficult. It is, it is all chaos right now. Look at right now, even right now. Through climate change, what's going on? is controlling the growth of each country, right? That you can only grow a certain amount. And so poor countries cannot escape their poverty. So for example, it's like this. A poor country is going to be poor. But think about a country like Argentina, the natural resources that Argentina has. And yet, why are they unable to get, pick themselves up? Look at Congo. Congo should be the richest country in the world because they have so many natural resources. And yet, all of those resources through, through rebellion, through uprisings, all of those things, the prices of those things have been driven down so low that the West can purchase all of that at very cheap prices. Look at how this world is moving. Just by looking at this world movement, do you think that your hard work will bring you success? No, you have to transcend the reign of the devil and enter into the reign of God. Because many times this world, it seems as if it happens as the devil desires. No, it only looks that way, but it's all in God's hands. And so we need to see the flow of history, the current that is going on. And do not rely on the system of Babylon and being deceived into thinking that the ways of Babylon are the ways we should live. No, if we live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we understand that those things are meaningless and that is not how we serve God. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, do you think you will trust your cell phones? You will rely on your cell phones? No, you will not. And so Babylon, even if they say, get rid of your cell phones, you cannot, you cannot. It's only when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Let's continue. And starting from verse 8 to verse uh, 12. And so the wickedness that was found in Israel is that they rebelled against God and they cast away defying His glorious presence. And so if you rely on the things of the world, what happens? You become a rebellion, a a rebel, right? If you rely on something apart from God, it doesn't end there. You rebel against God. And so in Exodus, when the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness, they complained, they grumbled before God. What is this grumbling? What is this complaint? In other words, it's rebellion. They do not trust God and they want to go back to Egypt. And so the rebellion within us, the source of that is, is I want a new king. Oh, I don't like this king, so I want a new king. That is the source of rebellion. That's what we learn through Babylon. Look at Babylon. What does it? What what is democracy? Right? Is choosing my the the, the person I want to be ruler. But that's not the kingdom of heaven. That's why God was not pleased when the Israelites asked for king. We are not to ask for king because the king is not the problem. As it says in 2 Samuel, that that the law for mankind is that the king is in the house of David. So the king has already been determined. So we do not determine the king. What do we determine? We determine whether we're going to be obedient to that king or not. And so ultimately, the the source of all wickedness in the church is is in disobedience, or is in unbelief, in rebellion. And so that's why obedience is so important. It's in obedience that power and authority is, is, uh, unfolds. So verse 8, for Jerusalem has stumbled, and because they did not rely on God, all of these systems have fallen down, and so the, Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen, because their speech and their deeds are against the Lord. And so two things. Who are these two things? Well, first things is the speech. First, their speech. Their speech, and then second, their deeds are against the Lord. This word against is rebel. And so fundamentally, Israel is clear that Babylon does not determine their happiness. And so if you go against the will of he who is from the beginning, going against him is standing in the counsel of the wicked. But conversely, no matter what kind of riches Babylon gives, that does not determine the happiness of our souls. Let's say that I'm that in this room, I, all the clothes I want were there. Then you could think that I'd be happy, right? But that's not the case. God, God's righteousness alone brings happiness to mankind. That his acceptance, his righteousness is what gives us joy. And so they are against it. And so how are they against the Lord? First through speech. And so speech and deeds are not separate, right? They are together. They are two sides of one coin. Deeds follow speech. 
And when you look at science in, in, in the 21st century, science has discovered that most of our nerves are focused on speech. And, so if our, and, and when we look at the Bible, if our speech is perfect, our lives will be perfect. We will be perfect. And so if your speech is perfect, all your deeds will follow along. And so what does James say regarding this? Is that words will, is the, is the steering wheel behind your life. It determines where your life goes. And, and so Proverbs speaks of speech a lot. Speech is not just speaking of words itself, but rather your speech is a reflection of your life. As Jesus said, that it is not what goes enters into the man of a body that makes him dirty, but what comes out of him. Right? And it's because of the spirit of immorality that he's immoral. It's because of the spirit of greed that he is greedy. You do not need to discern specially to, to find out. All you have to do is see their lifestyle. Speech is very important. When speech stands against God, fundamentally, that means that you are filled with the spirit of rebellion. That's unbelief. And so if your speech is against God, then of course your deeds will be against God. Because ultimately, their spiritual state moves their actions. And their speech reflects their spiritual state. And so when we believe, we live a life of belief. We do not make the contents of our life. When we believe, that belief forms our life. Right, and so what is the source of Christianity? It's faith, righteousness, life. In faith, we receive righteousness, and through that faith, we can live a life of righteousness. What what denominations emphasizes life? That your life leads to righteousness. Right, and so they are worried about morals and ethics. They focus on ethics, then that is not true gospel. And if you only focus on faith, only faith, then you become positive thinking. You try to make your own faith. Right? I talked about this in Ephesians. And if you only focus on righteousness, this becomes uh, uh, mysticism, right? All you're looking for is mystical works of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we need to receive all three elements. In faith, receive the righteousness of God. And in that righteousness, we live that life. And so it's the same, same, same things going on here. If my speech is corrupted, my deeds will be corrupted. If my deeds are corrupted, 
then what does that mean? It means that I am lacking faith or I do not have the truth of righteousness of God. And so when I preached out of Hebrews, that's what I said. If you do not know Hebrews, are you destined for hell or heaven? I'm saying it does, that's not what it matters. Hebrews is not about heaven and hell. The question of Christianity is not about heaven and hell. It's not a question of heaven and hell. It's a question of glory. And so if you do not know Hebrews, you do not know glory. Hebrews especially focuses on righteousness, who Jesus is, and because of who he is, the righteousness he gave us. And if you do not know that righteousness, then you cannot be glorified. And so in faith, we receive our righteousness. And in that righteousness, our life is manifest. It's the same thing with speech and deeds. Speech and deeds cannot be separated. Your faith and your deeds cannot be separated. And so if your life is a problem, then what? where is the problem? It's not in the elements of your life, but it's in the elements of your faith. Now, there are some people for a time who, even though they have faith, their deeds do not reflect that. But time will will correct that. But if you still have that problem, then it's not. That means you got to question the elements of your faith. And so 1 Corinthians 10, 15, 5, what does it say? It says to examine yourself to see that you truly are in the faith. And what does that mean? That means are you, are you receiving righteousness and life and faith all at the same time? If life, if you have a problem with your life, then first check your faith. Check the elements of your faith. Do I truly believe the dignity, the nobility that Jesus Christ has given me in, through his sacrifice? It means if your life has, has a hole, that means there's a hole in the elements of your faith. And so you should have been transforming little by little. It might take time. I don't know how much time it may take. But your entire life has a problem. That should not be the case if you have faith. Now, sometimes some things may take 10, 20 years. There are some things that might take time because of how deep that root is. And so when your root is deep, it may not be solved quickly. There's no problem with that. But the day you are saved, 95% of those, those bitter things have been dealt with. And so immediately, faith, righteousness, and life enters into you. And so anyways, I'm talking about speech and deeds. And so the speech are against the Lord. And the second thing is what? And their deeds are against the Lord, defying His glorious presence. Or the eyes of his glory. And so remember, God himself is glory. And whenever you, whatever you see, you'll see glory in him. How about you? It's the same. If you have faith, no matter what you see, what do you see? You see in faith. And so when you see in faith, you will not see darkness first. You got to see in faith first. And because you see in faith first, the darkness is revealed. This is different. This is very sensitive. There's some people who look for darkness first. 
And so look, this is the difference. God, because He's glory itself, He sees all things through that glory. And it's when you look through that glory, and when you have the faith to receive that glory, that glory radiates. That glory shines. But when you look at His, when He looks at you in glory and you are darkness, then what happens to you? In that darkness, you die. And in that death, you can repent. But if you do not repent, that death becomes embodied in you. And so all things are seen through glory. And when you're unable to receive that glory, you will die. And so this death, so what is the state of Israel right now? They are perfectly in darkness. And God sees all things in glory. And they have no element to receive that glory. And so what is the only option left is to die. And so this is really important to understand. When God sees us in glory, it's because of that glory that He looks at us in that glory that He brings judgment. That judgment is not bringing death. He sees glory. And then so when it says eyes of his glory, this word eye also signifies his presence, right? His glorious presence. And the presence of God was with Israel. Why? Because of who Israel is. And that is the grace of God. But because they lost their identity, they lose that presence. And the same thing applies to us. We have been made holy through what? Through faith in what he has done for us. And so when I receive that faith, when I receive that glory, then I live. But when I'm unable to receive that, then there's death in the presence of that glory. And so look at your life. Examine your life. Is your life unfolding? Is your life growing in the riches of God's presence? Is it transforming your life? And yet you are, or are you still, are you living in that presence and yet your life is still dying? That is, then, then, then that is tragedy. Then quickly go out, quickly leave this church because you would be so much happier outside of this church. But if you are in this presence and your life is changing, and you should wait, if you are in this presence, you should see your life transforming. That is normal. It, there, it may take time. But if you see there is no transform, right? Because in this church, it is clear that God's presence is here, yes? It is clear that God's goodness is unfolding here. And yet, and if you are in that presence and yet you are not transforming, that is a danger. Right? You are all entering into that glory little by little, yes? It may not all happen overnight, but you are all going through this process. But if there is no movement at all, that is dangerous. That's what this is talking about here, defying his glorious presence. So verse 9, for the look on their face, and so again, as I say, as you live, if you live living with God, Right, 
God is, if you live with God, does it make sense for you to groan over the things of the world? So, be aware of that, brothers, that that is not natural. It makes no sense. You're crying over money. You're crying over power. You're crying over over things of this world. When you live with God, when He is good, and so in the long term as you live your life taking step by step like me all the things that were not being loosened are loosened slowly by slowly step by step everything in your life is moving towards glorification and so for 35 years I've been moving with God and so at the very least you got to see this in yourself is God moving in this long term you do not have to fall into despair in the short term but in this long in this big picture is God listening to your prayer you must be clear of that and you must be seeing these things this has nothing to do with your circumstances in the world right just because you are poor in the world you are poor in God no that's not the case just because you are having difficulty in the world you are having difficulty with God no that's not the case so I'm saying examine yourself of these things verse 9 for the look on their faces bear witness against them They proclaim their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to them, for they have brought evil on themselves. So, for the look on their faces, bear witness against them. When you sin, right, you can see it on their face. They cannot hide it, meaning that that sin is written on their face. When you sin, you should be ashamed, right? And you should hide from God. But but because this sin has taken over your character, you do not wear that shame, that shame. And so that sin just characterizes you. That's how much you have been characterized by sin. And so they cannot hide that sin. So like Sodom and Gomorrah, they are completely under God's judgment. Woe to them, for they have brought evil on themselves. And so God is not doing this, like he's not choosing to do this, but rather they chose it on themselves. Because they chose the world, they can't help but be judged. Verse 10. So 10 to 11 is the fundamental source of why God judges them. That when they do not rely on them, that, that, that they are judged. When, when they do not rely on God, they are judged. Woe to the wicked. Uh, t- uh, t- tell the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their deeds. Because the righteous live in righteousness, of course they are blessed. The righteous shall find the land, shall lay claim to the land. The righteous have the authority. The righteous are blessed. And this is the law of nature and man. 
that this is the most basic order of creation by God. That when you do something wrong, you are scolded and or, or you are whipped. And when you are good, you are praised. For a time, this, this order must happen, right? Ah, uh, one moment. And so this is the way the Trinity God moves. The, the Holy Spirit, when you sin, immediately convicts you. And, and when you repent, God the Son uh, forgives you. And God the Father fills you up, rebuilds you up. <sighs> and so um, and so first you need to have this uh, uh, this relationship with God this basic relationship of God when you first believe because uh, there is a time needed for you to uh, for you to learn what is right and wrong right when you do wrong you are punished when you do right you are praised this is really important essence, right? This is the base. This is the essence of of the book of Job, and so I can't go through the book of Job right now. But anyways, I'm I'm trying to do the eschatology. Oh, when am I going to go to do the eschatology in this conference? Uh, and so, uh, yeah, will you go to hell because you do not know Job? No, you will not. Uh, but the problem is, is not about heaven or hell, but it's about sanctification, glorification. Amen. And so, raise your hand if you do not want to listen to me exposit on Job. Okay, of course I got to exposit on Job. But anyways, verse twelve. My people, infants are their oppressors, and women rule over them. And so I talked about this earlier. Yes. How powerless does the world become? That infants oppress their the people, and women rule over them. That the weakest in society rule over them. That's how powerless they become. And so, because the order gets broken down, people who shouldn't be leaders become leaders. Those who can't be leaders are leaders. And that's what's happening all over the world. Look at America, Biden. Biden, he's basically, uh, uh, he's basically, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, he does not have his wits about him, right? He, he doesn't have his memory, and yet how can he rule over a country? Look at France. Is it, is it normal for a man to be married to a grandmother? There is no normal people in the, in the, of the rulers of the world. Now look, I'm not looking down on grandmothers, but but it's not normal, right, for a young man to be married to a grandmother. And so Antichrist is purposely making these irregular leaders to make the world powerless, so that preparing the way for him to come. And 
And so the uh, Catholic Church today is all, is obviously we can see that they are the great prostitute because look they have uh, accepted homosexuality. But we do not have to worry because we are more than conquerors, right? We have the victory in hand. Our God is, is, our God, who is our God? Of course, he is going to give us more than the victory, amen? We are more than conquerors, amen? RT, when you go, God is going to provide more than enough, amen? Ensip is the one who uses the most of the money in our church. They use so much money. So, of course, they should grow because we've invested so much into them. Amen? Thank you for growing so well. Now verse 13 to chapter 4 verse 1. And so now judgment of the rulers. The Lord has taken his place to contend. He stands to judge peoples. So now we're seeing the courtroom. And, and the Lord rises to judge. He's going to judge the leaders and the priests. So God always first starts his judgment against leaders. Leaders are very important. A pack of wolves led by a lion will be victorious over a pack of lions being led by a wolf. And so leaders are really important. And the world is constantly trying to break down leadership in order to prepare the way for the Antichrist to take over. And now is the season for the two leaders, two two witnesses who will stand against uh, the Antichrist to stand. This kind of powerful leadership. And, but look at the trends of this time. Uh, it's so hard to establish a powerful leader. And it's really important in this day and age for, for this kind of strong leader to be established. Amen. And I am a good leader, yes. Yes, I have good looks. I have I have good build, right? I'm decent, yes. I'm decent, yes. And so leadership is really important for this reason. A church is not an organization, but in any organization, when you look at that leader of that organization, you can see the future of that organization. And so in Matthew 17, Jesus said to Peter, what? 
that upon this rock I will establish my church. And so I say this to all the pastors all over the world. How can you know if your church is a church of God? When you look at the head pastor's life. When you see him, you can see if this is a church of God. I continually said this in Africa. Why? Because upon Peter, upon this rock, I established I establish my church. The rock. Who is the rock? First is Jesus Christ, but it's also Peter. On that pastor, on that pastor is the church established. And so if that pastor doesn't have the truth, system, that church is not a church of God. If that pastor does not have holiness, then that church is not a church of God. So when you see the head pastor, you can see if that is a church of God or not. This is the principle of things. So when I went to Africa, this is what I've been continually saying to the Africans. That if you do not have this state, do not be a pastor. Lay down your ministry. I say this everywhere I go, not just Africa, Central America, everywhere I go, I say, and yet no one has quit. I've been continually saying these kinds of pastors quit. And I'm going to say it to the pastors of Korea as well. Quit your pastoral ministry. Right? They should quit. Right? It's time. It's time. Right? Because, because no one is happy. God is not happy. They are not happy. Their church members are not happy. If the head pastor will determine whether that church is a church of God or not. And so anyway, so leaders, leaders are being judged. We see this in Ezekiel as well. When... when when Ezekiel proclaims the judgment, who are the first to be sealed? It are the elders. The Lord has taken his place to contend. So contend. God is using this legalism terminology, right? This, this judge is standing. And so he's both prosecutor and judge and executioner. So the Lord has taken his place to contend. He stands to judge peoples. So the Lord is prosecutor and judge, and if the prosecutor and judge is the same person, then the verdict is clear, right? Israel is doomed. Verse 14, the Lord will enter into judgment with the elders and princes of his people. It is you who devoured the vineyard. The spoil of the poor is in your houses. And so who is a leader? The leader should take care of the orphans and the widows. But instead of taking care of them, they oppress them. And so these leaders deserve death. Remember, taking care of orphans and widows is about Zedek, God's righteousness. So they have tarnished God's righteousness, and so they are judged. Verse 15, what do you mean by crushing my people by grinding the face of the poor declares the Lord God of hosts so how much did they oppress the poor that it's as if they were grinding their faces and so leader leader must be free from greed if they are not free from the greed they can they do not deserve to be a leader that was the very first thing that God had me pass is the issue of money and there's no one in this church for the past 25 years complained about the way I use the money in this church because you trust 
that I am not greedy. If you could not trust that, if you did not have confidence in your pastor being free from the desire of money, then you would be you would be worried about all of these things. You would always be have concerns. And so as a leader, they must be free from the desire of materials. Another thing is that they must be free from immorality, immora, uh, the free from the desire of women. Right? And so... And then the third thing that they need to be free of is the free free from the desire of power, of authority. And so a leader must be free from greed, from immorality, and from authority, desires of these things, right? So because I'm free of money, I have authority over money. Because I'm free of people, I have authority over personnel. Because I'm free from the world, I have spiritual authority. Amen? If you are not free of these things, you lose authority. And so moving on. Verse 18, or 16, verse 16. From verse 16 to verse 24. Now he judges rich women. Oh, women, they are the problem. The Lord said, because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with outstretched necks, right? They're showing their sexiness, right? They're moving around with their sexiness. So during that time in Israel, you know the clothes that Israel wore, right? They didn't wear leggings like today. But because they were em, em, they were embracing the things of the world, they're moving like the world. Look at the way kids dress these days. It's serious. It's a serious issue. I'm so grateful that our church is not like that. Maybe when you guys change when you go to the world. You may say, it's just clothes. I'm just dressed. No, when you, the way you dress reveals the, your spiritual state. So I'm not telling you to dress ugly. No, be clean. You don't have to be sexy. Right, if you look at your, the pastor's wife and you're like, wow, she is hot. That is, that's the problem, right? There's something wrong with that. <laughs> and so the women are being influenced by immorality and secularism. Verse 17. Therefore the Lord will strike with a scab the heads of the daughters of Zion. Because they do not love God and they love the world, these women are judged. And what are they judged with? With the scab on their heads. Right, because like slaves, when they get dragged on the ground, they develop scabs. And the Lord will bear their secret, lay bare their secret parts. What is this? They're getting raped, right? And so when we abandon God and live for the world, that is tragedy. Tragedy befalls on these kinds of people. And so what we need to understand is the problem is that it's because we're loving the world. That's why this tragedy happens. Try loving God. If you love God, you will not love the world. 
Many people think that I love God and I love the world. No, that's not possible. You cannot love the world if you love God. It's because you do not know the love of God that you say things like this. If you see the glory of, the, of God, you can, the glory of the world will be nothing. It's because you have yet to see the glory of God that you think that you can see both. It cannot be the case. And so I know no one in our church outwardly says that they love the world. And yet, let's be honest, we do love the world, right? Many of us do love the world. We must be separated of that love. When we receive true holiness, this will happen. And so, these women are influenced by the world, by secularism, and so they get dragged on the streets. And then in verse 18, we see the same judgment going on the fancy things that these women love, right? These luxuries. These things must reek to you. These luxuries of the world must reek to you. Right, remember, remember that daughter of Korea Air president, right? And she, she was dressed and all of her clothes was worth like $50,000. I, I saw on the news that, 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 that many young men these days, they work six, seven jobs just so that they can buy a nice car, even though they don't have a home. Look at how crazy this world is these days. And why do they tattoo so much? This is, this is signs of the end times. And I actually asked this one child, one young, young man. Hey, do you know what this tattoo symbolizes? I think he was a high schooler. And he said, what? That is a, that is a charm. You know that that charm means that evil spirits are following them. And he ran away. <laughs> he thought he looked at me like I was a crazy man and ran away. But that's the truth. God says, do not tattoo yourselves in the Bible. And all of these tattoos leads to superstition. And they're all influenced by athletes and sports stars. Is there anyone with tattoos in our church? You come to me, and I will rub that tattoo off of your skin. Remember a long time ago, this one sister had a tattoo at a conference, and I touched her, and it disappeared. That was, that was several years ago, right? That her tattoo disappeared. But anyways, so anklets, headbands, crescents, the pendants, the bracelets, scarves, headdress, armlets, sashes, all these things. So moving on, verse 24. Instead of perfume, there will be rottenness. And so all of these things are rotten. They are all rotten. Instead of a belt, a rope. And instead of well-set hair, baldness. And instead of a rich robe, a skirt of sackcloth. This kind of tribulation is waiting for the world. This shame is going to come to Babylon, and yet Babylon will not be transformed. Uh, your men shall fall by the sword and your mighty men in battle and her gates shall lament and mourn. Empty she shall sit on the ground. It's the same, same prophecy of revelations. The fancy things of the world, the, 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 the luxury goods of the world are being judged. And so once again I say, be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will not like the secular things. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will not live by the de demands of Babylon. It's because you are not filled with the Holy Spirit that you're constantly influenced and characterized portion, little by little in Babylon. When you continually receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, these things will continue to be separated from without. Will be, will be, will be weeded out. And so when you live in the Holy Spirit, these luxury goods will be a burden. Spiritual people will be burdened by these things. They will be burdened by their possessions. Now, if God gives you to enjoy, then you have every right to enjoy. But fundamentally, when you live by the kingdom of heaven, you are not going to be influenced by the luxury of Babylon. You are not going to live for that as your goal. It's impossible. Because you're losing your spiritual freedom. You are being bound to those things. And so look, even if you have money, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are not going to live for these luxuries. And so, and so stop yearning for those luxuries. You will not yearn for those, sorry, sorry. A better way to say is you will not yearn for those luxuries if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's a matter of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so verse, chapter four, verse one, and seven women shall take hold of one man in that day saying, we will eat our own bread and wear our own clothes. Only let us be called by your name. Take away our reproach. So look at how many men have died in war that look, the women say that they will be, they will provide for themselves, but let us just take your name because during this time in this culture if women did not have a name of a man they, they it was their shame right and so look if you do not live in God all that you have will be taken from you right when Abraham lived apart from God Ishmael was taken from him right it's it's when he loses everything and relies on God that he goes into glory everything that you have outside of God will be taken from you, will be taken from you, will be brought down. And so now, moving on to chapter two, chapter 4, verse 2. This is where something really important is going to happen. It's already 11.25, so we got to hurry up and finish so that we can get to chapter 5 tomorrow. And so let's see the prophecy of the restoration of the remnant. Up until this point was judgment, so now let's talk about restoration. If we just end in judgment, we will not be able to sleep tonight, yes? And so let's speak of restoration so that we can sleep at peace. Amen? So moving on. Are you blessed, my brothers? Are you blessed? Verse 2. 
Let's see the restoration of creation. In that day, the branch of the Lord. So the focus, the 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 the, the, the subject of restoration is all focused on Israel. Right when Israel is broken, the entire world is broken. And so, what, how is the world restored? In that day, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious. And so this branch, this branch is the Messiah, yes? This branch is the Messiah. The, bra- the Messiah shall be beautiful and glorious. And so this Messiah himself is glorious. He is beautiful and glorious. And so when he restores all things, all things are restored to beauty and to glory. Amen? And so it's about who you are. Because he is glorious and beautiful, those who believe in him are glorified and beautified. Right? Being beautified is not speaking about your outer looks, but speaking about your inner purity, your holiness. And so you need to be able to continue to feel the, the riches of, king, of the kingdom of God, being filled with that confidence. And so Christians being powerless, Christians growing in despair, growing in uncertainty, that means they are living wrong in some way or another. If you live in faith, then you have confidence. This confidence is, yes, I can, but rather this confidence is God provides. And so when you live in the spirit, there will always be this boldness, this confidence. And so when you live with God, life will be will be. Beautified. It's not about your looks, right? It's Christian must show beauty. Amen. And so beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land shall be the pride and honor of the survivors of Israel. And so these survivors, and later in verse 3, it says the remains in Jerusalem, those who have been left, who are these talking about? It's talking about the remnant. So speaking of those who will be taken into captivity to Babylon, right? And so 66 books of the Bible. It's all focused on who? It's all focused on the remnant. Even Jesus himself is in the current of the remnant. He is in the trend of the remnant. So though he came to save all men, the focus of the kingdom of heaven is on who? Is on the remnant. Who is the leader of the rem- of the Israel? It is the high priest. The high priest leads Israel. And if this high priest is corrupted in the emergency of that, then who leads Israel? It is the tribe of who? It's not about tribe, but rather it's the Nazarite. The Nazarite. In the emergency case, Nazarite becomes the leader of the, 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 of the of Israel. And who is Jesus? He is a Nazarite. He is someone who has been sealed for holiness. And so this day and age is for the Nazarite, the remnant, the, 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 the leader, right? It's not about what tribe you belong to, but the Nazarite. And 
That branch will be beautiful and will restore the pride and honor of the survivors of Israel. And so like Ephesians 1 says, those who have lived according to the predestination of God, being holy and blameless, those who have called, those he has predestined, he has called, those he has called, he has justified, those he has justified, he has glorified. Amen? And so this isn't up, up to us, but it's all by his grace that he has glorified us. He has justified us. And that is the season that we are entering into. Amen. Babylon is being cut off. And as Babylon is completely cut off, we enter into that glory. Amen. And so let us have great expectations for God. Amen. Verse 3 and 4. See the restoration of holiness. And he was left in Zion. And Isaiah is constantly speaking of the remnant. Micah is continuing talking of remnant. But Isaiah also speaks very much of the remnant. And so, not, not all of Israel will be used for the kingdom of God. It is the remnant. Who are the remnant? Those who confirm their right holiness. And he was left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem. Those who do not get in, what does it mean by those who remain in Jerusalem? Those who do not go into secularism, who do not go out into the world. Those who stay in Jerusalem, who stay under the reign of God. Amen? And will be called holy. So, when is this prophesying of? When is the time frame of this? Is it talking about those who come to Jerusalem from, who return to Jerusalem after Babylon captivity? Can you say that they are holy? Will be called holy? Or is this speaking of the apocalypse? Is it speaking of when Jesus Christ comes? Okay, let, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see later. We'll see what the time frame is. So we'll be called holy. So remember this phrase. Okay, verse four. When the Lord shall have, when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the blood stains of Jerusalem from its midst by a spirit of judgment and by a spirit of burning. And so the spirit of judgment is the spirit of conviction. As Israel was in the wilderness, did the spirit of conviction come to them? No, no, the Holy Spirit didn't come. It was all God. In the history of Israel, has the spirit of God come to judge? No, it's, it's always been God the Father. And so this spirit of judgment means this is prophesying of the church era. And now is this the apocalypse? Maybe. Maybe. But it doesn't just work as a spirit of judgment, but also by a spirit of burning. What is burning? It's burning away the filth. And so even now, what is the Spirit of God doing? When you sin, immediately, He reminds you of the Word that dwells within you so that you are aware of those sins. And so He convicts you of that sin, yes? And when you are aware of that and you receive that, that comes as a spirit of repentance. And as you receive that spirit of repentance, the word and the blood moves inside of you. 
And as you repent, you are purified. And so through this process, through repentance, you are sanctified. Now what is the spirit of burning? Through the blood of Jesus Christ, I will receive righteousness. But what is the spirit of burning? The Holy Spirit in that state of holiness, He comes as refining fire to burn away all the filth. This may happen. Right? The blood may work to purify you. And after you are purified, that refining fire comes to refine you. And so, normally, as you repent with the blood of Jesus Christ and you are justified, then there are still bindings inside of you caused by that sin. Maybe that bindings have been heavy, or maybe the, the, there's been such a hardness right inside of you. Then the Holy Spirit comes as a refining fire to refine and loosen all of these things. And so it's clear that this is speaking of the church era. Amen. So continuing, spirit of burning, and so see, spirit of judgment, right, acknowledging of sins, repentance, we saw this in Romans, and the spirit of burning, it's not always this way, but when there are filth remaining, the, the, the life of that darkness, his refining fire comes to refine us. Right? And so in the early church, in the upper room, the, the spirit descended upon man like tongues of fire. The first time the spirit indwelled in man. And so think about how much filth was in the soul of a man. And so in that moment, in that first moment that the Holy Spirit came, that refining fire came to refine and to purify them, right? That's why it came as tongues of fire. And so let's say my bindings are so strong. There's so much darkness over me. Then yearn for that refining fire. Refining fire. To wipe away all of your bindings. Amen? That fire, that refining fire. And then it says that it, the important thing, cleansed, uh, washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion. And so the daughters of Zion. This word daughters is speaking of either Israel or the church. But when it says Zion, is it spiritual Israel or is it is it Israel or maybe both so washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem right because as the church or as Israel is corrupted right they they oppress the poor and the weak and so this these blood stains right this refining fire cleanses that verse 5 then the Lord will create over the whole site of Mount Zion and over her assemblies and so where does this refining fire happen first is in Mount Zion and over the assemblies and so first Mount Zion Mount Zion is Mount Zion yes 
And so on Mount Zion, this, judge, this judging fire comes, and over her assemblies, and assemblies, this word assemblies, it's, it's the root of the word ecclesia. And so Mount Zion and Ecclesia. Right, the root, the word for assembly is rooted in the same word for Ecclesia. And so a cloud by day and smoke. And so, and so God led Israel through the wilderness with a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. But here it says cloud and smoke. So a little bit different. And the shining of a flaming fire by night. And so it's not the same pillar of cloud and fire that led Israel. And for over all the glory, there will be a canopy. And so this is the same words as, as the Shekinah glory. And so when is this prophesying the time frame? It is the church era. Then why does it say Mount Zion? Because as Isaiah sees this vision, he's seeing this amazing uh, presence of the Holy Spirit. And he doesn't know who these assemblies are, but Mount Zion. And Mount Zion is speaking of who? The Messianic Jews. And so it's not location, but the people in that location. That's what Isaiah is seeing in his vision. And so look, even now, as this prophecy of Isaiah, as you are the dwelling place of God, the, the cloud comes and, and the smoke, the presence of God is inside of you. And this flaming fire shines light from within you. And so in each and every single one of you, God is seeing the spirit of, or not God, sorry, Isaiah is seeing the spirit of God indwelling in each person. And so he is prophesying about the church era. And so as you pray and as you live with the Holy Spirit, this cloud and this smoke and, and, and this fire rises up inside of you. Amen? So the, and so he is... He is seeing a vision of the work of the Holy Spirit that moves inside of the soul of man. And so when the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, as the Gospel John says. And so when we live by the Holy Spirit in this church era, the prophets of Isaiah, like Isaiah, 
They are prophesying of God's perfect reign. And that perfect reign, what was the model? It was during the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness that for 40 years they were led by the pillar of fire and cloud, not worrying about what they will eat, what they will drink, what they will wear. That perfect reign of God. And in this church era, and so these prophets, seeing this perfect rain like the wilderness when the spirit of God dwells within us it is as if this is the same as this wilderness time that the, the Israelites spent and so where is the wilderness there are scorpions there's no water and so it's a place of death and yet Israel as they were followed the movement of the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire they lived they survived same thing applies to us why do Israel get influenced by world because they are not being led by the pillar of cloud pillar of fire same thing applies to us if we live by the pillar of cloud pillar of fire the Holy Spirit following the pillar of cloud pillar of fire as it leads me I can live according to the leading of the Holy Spirit that's what Isaiah is seeing in this vision and so spiritually seeing right spiritually speaking inside of you is the presence of God the, the, the pillar of cloud the pillar of fire inside of you as yesterday we talked about holiness radiating within you and so look at the person next to you again is holiness radiating in you heart shine, shines upon heart oh <sighs> So we need to be a relationship where we radiate holiness to one another. And in a word, this is again also describing the restoration of worship. And so again, assembly, right? This word assembly is restoration of worship. So as the Holy Spirit dwelled within the early church, came in the spirit of reverence, it, they were able to lift up perfect worship. And so verse 6, there will be a booth. Again, this word booth is assembly. Right? Booth as, as they had. In the same way, this New Testament era, we live in Babylon, in this wilderness. We do not have to live according to the laws of that wilderness but there will be a booth for shade by day from the heat and for refuge and a shelter from the storm and rain so he is my shield he is my refuge amen and so now in this day and age like the Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness in the perfect reign of God in these end times during this tribulation God is going to pour out his perfect reign upon his remnant and that's why I say we, that's why I say we will see feeding of the 5,000 again we will see the splitting of the Red Sea again we will see fire fall from heaven again because we are living in the season where God's reign will be perfected in our lives because there's so much darkness that there is no survival outside and yet the remnant the remnant will be manifesting God's glory 
Why? Because we rely on God alone. For the past 25 years in Yobang Church, God has been raising us so that we would be able to rely on Him alone. Amen? And so we do not rely on anything in Babylon but love God alone, rely on God alone. And so, though the world cannot help but submit to Babylon, everything in this world is leading to their defeat, but to the remnant, this perfect victory and perfect reign is approaching. Amen? That is God's promise to us. And so as we pray today, let that pillar of fire burn and rise up within you and see as God leading you and as you pray amazing power and authority being poured out so yearn for it I have made you my dwelling place my Shekinah glory is coming upon you and so Lord let us rely upon the Shekinah glory let the pillar of cloud pillar of fire rise up within us yes Lord answer our prayers as everyone in this church may they enter into this season of your perfect reign yes Lord may this pillar of fire and cloud rise up rise up and burn bright see the light cast your gaze on the light you are the dwelling place of God you are the tent of God believe in his perfect reign more Lord more powerfully turn off the lights and everyone pray on your own. Amen. Hallelujah, Lord. Come upon this place. Lord, we live in the season of the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. Your perfect reign is approaching us. More, Lord. <laughs> 